0: Don't you turn against me.
1: I felt a great disturbance in the force, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly
0: silenced. you're not with me, then you're my enemy. You thunder against
1: me! You have
0: done that yourself! Release your anger! Only your hatred can destroy me! I hate you! Bring balance to the force! Not leave it in darkness! You
1: Welcome to Who Shot First, a Star Wars controversy podcast. I am your host, Alex Holmes, and today we have a very special podcast because I am interviewing a good friend of mine. Shamim Sade. Hello, that's me. Shamim is with us today because, as you all know, we, have, we listened to the last episode, which Shamim has not heard yet, but in the last episode we talked about The Phantom Menace. And I did my very best, Shameen, to to say the good things that, that are in it. I'm sure that was very things. difficult for you. It, it was not. Like, there are good pieces. <laughs> I can actually read out a list sort of like of what I brought up in case. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, but anyway, it can, might have come off and put a more detail in the not-so-great parts. So I wanted to interview somebody that is really into the Phantom Menace and the prequel area and that kind of thing to get more honest opinion about it. Sure, so, sounds good. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast
0: today. It's my pleasure. This is where the fun begins.
1: A couple of the things that we, I brought up as positives are it introduced brand new generation of Star Wars fans to mm-hmm. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That was a big piece of it. Because if other people hadn't seen them, they wouldn't seen them when they were younger, they wouldn't have done anything with them. They wouldn't have been exposed to Star Wars. I found a lot of people liked pod racing. Other people liked the uh, that they made it a bigger galaxy. In focusing more of like it shows us like the Senate and how there's like thousands of people in the Senate. And so therefore thousands of worlds mm-hmm. all over the place and they go to different, we actually see Coruscant for the first time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of people like the Jedi in not in the sense that they're, Great people, but like that, their actions of like we see the, the actual like force powers being used. Like mm-hmm. the Qui-Gon Jinn uses this, the the force push for the first time. Yep. And then the duel of fates fight is phenomenal. As and I will even agree with that one. Also, character work. There's a lot of people who like the characters. Darth Maul hugely. A lot of people like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Qui-Gon Jinn is Very another popular. big one. Padme and Palpatine are just are really good character developments. The soundtrack, which is the Duel of Fates, was just phenomenal. And this is this is where I'm going to defer to you. But I brought up politics Mm -hmm. of how it's how people like it. I couldn't really explain it well because I was just like, I find them a little boring. So Mm -hmm. this is why I'm deferring to you so that you can explain all the wonderful things you like about it.
0: So I will, I'll start by giving my overall feeling and I agree with George Lucas, who numerous times has said that Star Wars is made for children, like 10 to 12 year olds is like his, maybe eight to 12, somewhere in that range is like his ideal age range for what the Star Wars films are made for. So like Ewoks are not made for 40 year old men. Ewoks are made for 10 year olds and 10 year olds like teddy bears. You know, they're cute. Jar Jar was not made for 40 year old men and women. You know, Jar Jar was made for the eight-year-olds who enjoy the poop jokes and the silly language and the funny walking around. So that is what George Lucas wanted to do with Star Wars, as far as I've been able to read and, and and hear in his interviews. And I think that's a perfectly fair thing to do. And I think a lot of the backlash that came from episode one is because the people who were children, when they watched episodes four, five, and six, are now adults going to watch Star Wars Episode One, expecting to see a more adult version of Star Wars to fit their own adulthood lives. And instead, they get something for their kids. And their kids enjoyed it, but they did not as much. So that all being said, I'm very much in touch with my inner child. Jar Jar does not bother me. Ewoks do not bother me. Return of the Jedi is my favorite movie uh, in the Star Wars saga. Ewoks notwithstanding, I think they're very cute. And Jar Jar, little orphan Annie, you know, he he doesn't bother me. His yippee screams don't bother me at all. And maybe that's just you have to be in touch with your inner child in order to roll with the fact that like this is a movie made for children. Now, a lot of people then will say, well, if it's made for children, then why are there are so many politics and, and adult boring conversations going on in episode one? And that's a fair criticism that some people will weigh against episode one. To me, though, in any children's movie, even Disney movies, you go and you watch it as a child and there will be parts of the dialogue and parts of the plot that will go over your head that you don't understand going, you know, it's fun as an adult to go back and rewatch Disney movies that you saw as a kid. And you're like, oh, that's what they're talking about here. Oh, that's what this scene is really about. That's what the subtext is about. That's, you know, that's part of growing up. That's why both parents and children can enjoy Disney movies. And I think Star Wars is similar, so that the politics are there for those who want a more immersive, realistic world. They want to know, like, what is the currency? What is the trade? What are the negotiations between all these thousands of worlds and characters that George Lucas has set up? And for the kids, they enjoy the flashy lights and the music and the, and the adventure and the, and the, you know, the Jar Jar jokes. Very cool. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. I try. So what do you like about the politics? This is no big shock to you but palpatine is my favorite character and so the fact that the prequel movies are really tracing palpatine's rise as well as anakin skywalker's rise and eventual fall is what makes the plot of the prequels and especially episode 1 engaging and interesting to me seeing him manipulate his way from a local senator from naboo to becoming basically the president of the universe the chancellor is a very fascinating and interesting, engaging arc for me because the Emperor is my favorite character and I want to know how he went from whatever he was to ultimately the biggest bad guy in the universe in episode six where we first see him as Ian McDermott. Reading the expanded universe, I always enjoyed the political machinations of different characters.
1: You mean the discontinued current expanded universe, correct?
0: Yes, yes. The the Legends now, the Legends Legends continuity. Yeah, yeah, I always, reading the the Legends continuity, I I always enjoyed hearing about the political side of things, how the Jedi Order interacted with the, the New Republic, how different factions within the New Republic were vying for supremacy in terms of political power. That stuff is just engaging and interesting to me. So if it's not interesting to you, then I think the political aspect of episode one might not be as engaging as it is to someone like me, who just in the real world also is interested in politics, is interested in history. So seeing that translated into Star Wars, that's some part of my enjoyment of the politics side of episode one. Okay. So you enjoyed Jar Jar. How do you feel about midi Cloyance? So here's the thing. I think that people have a false dichotomy either the force is 100 percent spiritual without any basis in scientific fact or it is um demystified with the midichlorians and i think people don't understand how both can be true and for me both can be true all of yoda's metaphysical talk about being luminous beings and not this crude matter and feeling the force around you. All of that is a very spiritual side of things. And I don't think any of that is contradicted by Qui-Gon Jinn introducing the concept of metachlorians. The symbiotic relationship between these microorganisms and the humans and the other creatures who, who have them inside them that allow them to commune with the force. The communing with the force is still a very spiritual metaphysical thing. There's just a basis in scientific, biological, fact now and i don't think that having one or the other means I, I don't think that they're mutually exclusive and so the concept of midichlorians does not bother me the I, I think i think one of the reasons that midichlorians exist from a plot perspective is to help identify that anakin skywalker is a very special person because in the original trilogy we know that yoda is like you know, he's the one who trained Obi-Wan, who trained Vader, who trained Luke. So it's like Yoda is the biggest, baddest Jedi in the original trilogy. And so now we have, in, in the first episode, we have Obi-Wan in shock saying, even Master Yoda doesn't have a chlorian count that high. So there's something about Anakin Skywalker on a numerical level. That is just bigger and better than any other Jedi and it's something that Qui-Gon doesn't understand and that adds to the mystery of what Anakin Skywalker is and it adds to the controversy surrounding him when they go to the Jedi Council later. So I think not only from a plot perspective it's important to show that Anakin Skywalker is special because it's like he's higher even than Yoda his power level it's like power level in Dragon Ball Z you know that's kind of how I look at it like Anakin's power level is higher than Yoda's so that's you know that sets up something so from that aspect as well as further demystifying aspects of the force and expanding the lore of the force i think it works okay do you think the acting was really good so i think that the acting in episode 1 is the best out of the prequel trilogy i think really yes okay um, please yes. explain Well, Liam Neeson is in there. And so he just automatically elevates the overall acting quality to a whole nother level, in my opinion, because he's a phenomenal actor. And every line he delivers is pure perfection. I think anyone who hates the prequel movies will agree that Qui-Gon Jinn and Liam Neeson's portrayal of that character, it's an awesome character and a worthy addition to the the legacy of the Jedi. Ian McDiarmid, phenomenal, as Palpatine always. Natalie Portman, Academy Award winning actress, you know, she does a really good job in episode one. I think playing the queen, she did a marvelous job playing the queen. I don't like her as much playing the Padme role. And so that's why I I dislike her more in episodes two and three, because she doesn't have the regality and the nobility of playing the queen. I think she did a really good job playing the queen. All the supporting characters are really good. Darth Maul has a presence. He only utters like three lines of dialogue, but he has a presence on screen. And, uh, you know, the voice actors for the Nemoidians, the voice actor for Watto, Even Jar Jar Binks, I think, for what he's supposed to be, does the job well. I'm entertained when I watch Jar Jar interact with the Jedi in the submarine. Like, Obi-Wan is so done with Jar Jar, and I think that's what a lot of the audience feels, but, like, that's, you're supposed to feel that. It's like when you're watching Treebeard in Lord of the Rings and you start getting bored. That's the point, you know? It's like, so the fact that he's making you feel what you're supposed to be feeling means that it's a good character. Umbridge in Harry Potter makes you want to rip people's heads off. That's a good character. You know, she's not a good person, but she's a good character. She achieves the goal of the author. And I think Jar Jar is meant to, you know, it's shown cuz Obi-Wan is like, "We've picked up another pathetic life form." He doesn't like Jar Jar. He doesn't like Anakin. So the fact that some fans identify with Obi-Wan and have the same reaction as a character in the movie to Anakin and to Jar Jar, I think means that both Anakin and Jar Jar did their jobs well.
1: Any other thing that you'd like to bring up before I get into this, the more serious topic?
0: You've you've mentioned already that the music is amazing. I think that all three prequel movies have some of the best soundtracks in any of the nine Star Wars films. And the pod race, I think it's a fine action thing. Like it's not my favorite part of the movie, but I don't hate it either. I think the pod race is perfectly fine, and it shows that Anakin is very gifted and special in the force. It shows that he's an amazing pilot. It sets the scene or it sets the foundation for him being able to take the Naboo starship up into the droid battle later in the movie. And it it sets that up. The fact that he's able to have this connection with the force when he's doing the pod racing, it it makes it more believable than that a nine, 10 year old kid can get into a starship. He's never flown and you know fly up and destroy the droid cruiser. That it makes sense to me because they established that he's a good pod racer. So, Okay. Yeah. Oh,
1: that actually brings up, before we go deeper there, what is your feeling on Anakin destroying the Trade Federation ship by, think, like, luck?
0: I don't, you know, in my experience, there's no such thing as luck, right. as no, obi yep, you know, it's, yeah. it's absolutely the will of the Force. It's the same luck, quote-unquote, that allowed Luke to destroy the Death Star. You know, I'm sure that you've seen it, but for those who are listening who haven't seen it, the the behind-the-scenes documentary, the beginning for episode one, shows how Lucas wants to echo a lot of things that happened in the original trilogy with episode one. He specifically talks about how in the original trilogy, Luke blows up the Death Star, and in this episode one, Anakin blows up the the Droid Federation ship. He wants it to echo. It's like poetry, it rhymes. This This is a fundamental aspect of Star Wars, and it's one of the reasons, jumping a little ahead, why I enjoy The Force Awakens, because it also echoes. Poe Dameron destroys the, the Starkiller base. Like, there's always a big ship that one good guy gets to destroy. You know, like, it, it's a thing that echoes. And so I enjoy that about Star Wars. And I'm, I'm perfectly happy that Anakin, as a little kid, who kept being told, don't do anything, get out of the way, stay in the cockpit, you can't, you can't help, he's the one who solved the entire problem. I like that. Okay. Fair point. All
1: right, now we get to the little diceier thing. All right, um, how do you f- how do you respond or how do you feel about claims or people saying that they feel that parts of *Phantom Menace* are racist slash prejudice? In what way? There are people who don't like Watto. They think Watto is a Jewish stereotype, and there are people who think. That the Nemoidians are Asian stereotypes, and there are people who don't like Jar Jar because they think he's an African American stereotype.
0: Well, I honestly can't speak that much about the first two because this is the first time that I've heard that there was any controversy, uh, controversy racial wise against Jar uh, against um, Watto or the nemoidians. Really? Yes, I oh, I've heard okay. the um, I've heard the Jar Jar. Criticisms that, you know, that that that's an African American stereotype. I think that art is a product of its time. And in 1998, 1999, when these movies were being filmed and released, we didn't have as much of the collective social consciousness about what is appropriate and what is not, what is PC, what is not, what should be and what should not be. And I think in some aspects, things were more insensitive, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. It's 20 years now that Phantom Menace came out. So, naturally there will be something in every movie from 20 years ago that people in today's society will look like, we don't do that anymore, you know? So if George Lucas was making it in today's culture and he had those same kind of voice, I'm assuming that people have an issue with the the quality of the voice or the accent of the The voice. The accent
1: of the voice, the biggest argument is that it's not necessarily one specific thing it's that it's like all of the pieces together in that like he is, he's 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 lanky, so he's he's long and lanky and like slouchy. He's lazy, he's stupid, he has, he's clumsy, and his accent, and other people have claimed that his like ear things kind of look like dreadlocks. Now I think that might be going a little too far, but there it's, and the argument is that you put all those things together and that's where it becomes racist. And, and just so you know, from what I've found, most people who make the claim that he is, for instance, racist or, or not that George is, but that that character is. I also was just recently reading a book and everything about like white, white privilege or and like white indifference and ignorance. And so it's, it's more of like not and people who claim that it's a racist character are not necessarily saying George is racist they're more saying like he saw things and it was subconsciously he put this kind of character in it. Now, where most people get upset with the character itself is how George defends the character. Because when if you ask him about that character, he immediately gets mad and says you're being an idiot and he's not a racist character. So that's, that's where I found is most people are not necessarily like, you shouldn't watch Star Wars because of these possible stereotypes and stuff. But it's that George has not been able to accept that maybe I had some prejudices or something going into them and he still won't accept like any kind of criticism.
0: I think, so I had not heard that. I had not read or seen any interviews with George being asked about Jar Jar or any of his other potentially racially problematic characters. So I cannot speak from direct experience on that. Yeah. Um, One thing I might, I think that that's a fair criticism that people have to say that we wish that the author would acknowledge that certain characters or tropes within a character or uh, creative decisions that were made when creating a character relied heavily on or even subtly on some racial stereotypes that people find offensive. I think it would be very healthy for authors to acknowledge that yes this is what I did at the time. Would I do that same thing now? No, because I've learned differently and I've learned better to to make better things. I think that's a very fair and fine thing for fans of any work to ask of their author. I wonder, not having seen the interview or read the interview or knowing any of the context of George Lucas's, oh, you're stupid, you know, he's not racist character. Not knowing any of the context, I would also say that George Lucas has endured 20 years of hatred for Jar Jar and episode one so again not knowing the context it's possible that he has gotten tired of trying to defend Jar Jar Bings as a character and then also is now being accused of being racist and it may have been like a step too far for him to even be able to step back and consider is it racist mm-hmm. you know and I'm not saying that as an excuse I'm saying that as a possible explanation but I don't know I I don't know enough to be able to have a more informed opinion on that matter. Okay. Now, to a lighter
1: tone, now we get to talk about a wonderful piece. What do you think about Darth
0: Jar Jar? This is the stupidest fan theory I have ever heard in my entire life. Really? Yes. I hate the Darth Jar Jar fan theory. I hate it with every fiber of my being. Okay. Um, Could you explain why? Okay so like there's i've I've heard and i've read different permutations of the darth jar jar theory so I can wonder- I can give you what the theory is okay, give me what you're basing it on, okay. and then I'll re- and then reply to yeah. that. we can have a good solid baseline.
1: there we go. so the theory that I base it off of is that jar jar was initially written to be a darth or not like a a, a palpatine assistant, so like a, a sith mm mm-hmm. they he then, due to the backlash of all of the of Jar Jar, George then rewrote the character out of the films. So he did not go, he was not going to, he did not decide, he decided, he was supposed to be a Yoda character, basically, mm-hmm. is the theory. And that like, he's a guy in the back, he's supposed to be all ditzy, but his things are acting in a certain way. And so <laughs> the argument is that, there are pieces of that theory that he's Darth Jar Jar that are left in the the later movies, but it's not that he's actually, because I I don't take effect the people who are like, oh yeah, it's all like Darth Jar Jar was behind it all along. No, I think that is not real. Okay. What what I'm basing it off of is that initially it was written that way and then George
0: backed off on it. That may very well be true. It's... To me like it doesn't matter one way or the other because it's one thing to have a theory that expands upon what is already in the films to try and explain something that is in episodes two and three but the darth jar jar theory to me is a debate that begins in words and ends in words because that's not what the character is so to say that like That might have been the original vision for the character. That's fine. There were 50 other original visions for Luke Starkiller and, you know, and Darth Vader and and everyone in the original trilogy. And, and you know, there are drafts and drafts and drafts. So to try and come up with, like, a theory for all of these other abandoned plot lines, I don't, I I think is a little bit of a waste of time. And so I, I don't really have much else to think about it. Okay.
1: Ovid Best has commented on it and said what and said that it there's some stuff that's ridiculous but there's a lot that is actually valid in what they they said oh well, you what know, was supposed to be
0: in it, that that idea of the bumbling character then becoming the big reveal is very much based in yoda but it's also very much based in i don't know if you're you've read the new jedi order trilogy or series yep. in legends but it's spoilers now for new jedi order can we do that here yeah yeah I mean, it's it's very much inspired it's a by. It's twenty year old. Yeah, it's, I know. The series is twenty years old. <laughs> the you know the Onami Yu Vong character, the uh, who was ultimately revealed to be the big bad, and he was basically the court gesture for the entire nineteen book series. At the very end, is revealed to be the one who's been pulling the strings. So maybe there was elements of that drawn into the Darth Jar Jar design. I don't know when. New Jedi Order was written in relation to episode one coming out and the prequels coming out, but it's possible that those those story arcs influenced each other. Like maybe Darth Jar Jar was supposed to be a thing. And then episodes two came out and we decided not to do that. And the writers of New Jedi Order were like, that's a good idea. Let's make this bumbling character be the main bad and we'll reveal it at the end of our new Jedi Order series. So it's possible that they picked up that, that plot line, but to me, Darth Jar Jar is just, an abandoned plot line that may or may not have paid off. I mean, in in the films as they are, there is no payoff for that. So I don't, I don't see the reason to talk about it personally.
1: There you go. All right. Anything else you'd like to bring up on our wonderful Phantom Menace
0: chat? People harp on the prequel trilogy for being all blue screen and green screen, but Episodes one, two, and three had so much practical visual effects, sets, miniatures that people just assume are CGI or don't realize are miniatures and practical work because they like to harp on, oh, because there's CG characters all over the place. That means everything else was CG. And, and so I, I really, I want to give Phantom Menace it's fair due and it's fair appreciation for how much physical and practical stuff they did. Because I think a lot of Star Wars fans don't give it that credit, and it, it's credit where it should be due. Duel of the Fates is freaking awesome! It's oh, an so amazing good. lightsaber fight. It's an amazing piece of music. I w-
1: I'm not a huge fan of the, like the prequels or Phantom Menace, but like that lightsaber fight is the greatest lightsaber fight in
0: Star Wars. Yeah, it's ever. it's spectacular. It's a yeah. spectacular sequence. Yeah. And yeah, I'll just I'll close by saying Phantom Menace is by far my favorite of the prequel movies by far. And if you were like, hey, what Star Wars movie do you want to watch? It would be a toss-up between Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, and Episode 1. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So.
1: Well, I just want to say thank you so much for being on here. And, like, just talking with me about this. Because that's that's kind of, like, the part of the this episode or these this podcast that I want to do. Is, like, that we can talk about this. And, like, I'm not a huge fan of the prequels. You are. But, like, we're not yelling at each other and mm-hmm. saying, like, you're an idiot and I'm an idiot. And- I'm not a real Star Wars fan and you're not a real Star Wars fan like that. I want to bring that back to the Star Wars universe of just having open conversations. Yeah. And so that, so I just want to thank you for talking with me about this. It and was my privilege. On. I hope to have you on again. Cause I, I got to think a couple episodes of information here. Cause I got your Jar Jar stuff, which is great. No, thank you so much for, for being on. Thank you for having me on.
0: It was you're great. Thanks well. Alex.
1: You can find us on Twitter at who shot one swpod. That's who shot one swpod. And you can find us on email with who shot first swpod at gmail.com. That's who shot first swpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and never tell us the odds. Never tell me the odds. I don't know. I have a bad feeling about this. I felt a great disturbance in the force, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. Don't you turn against me? Before the Dark Side. You underestimate my power. You thunder against me.
0: You have done that yourself. I, hate you. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Chancellor Palpatine is evil. From my point of view, the Jedi are evil! Release your anger! Only your hatred can destroy me! Bring balance to the Force! Not leave it in darkness! If you're not with me, then you're my enemy! Now you have become the very thing you swore to destroy! You are the Chosen! Chosen!
1: Chosen!